Hi, and welcome to the Doctor and Duo podcast and YouTube channel, the only podcast where we bring you real feedback about medical school with no scripts and all just live takes. My name is Eleni. Uh, I'm an MS1 at Penn State College of Medicine. Hi, my name's Noah, and I'm a first-year medical student at the Mayo Clinic Alex School of Medicine. Awesome. And today we're here to talk to you guys a little bit about the first week of medical school, kind of how you might feel overwhelmed, the people you might meet, and how orientation and things might look. Um, real honest opinions, uh, no filters, just us saying what we think and what our real experiences are, because we want you guys to be prepared for when you enter medical school. Uh, before we start, uh, just a very quick disclaimer. Um, I am a student at Penn State. I do not speak on behalf of Penn State or the Penn State College of Medicine. I'm an independent actor and all views are my own. Yeah, I also want to echo what Eleni said. I am just a student of Mayo Clinic Alex School of Medicine and in no way, shape or form am I speaking for my institution. Awesome. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. All right, so looks like I'm up first. Uh, so a little bit about my first week. Uh, so Penn State was interesting, but we actually had two kind of transition weeks. So we first had an orientation week uh, where, as you can see in this middle picture, uh, for those of us on the podcast, uh, it's just a photo of a lecture hall uh, with a lot of students uh, sitting side by side. It's one of the first orientations that they had in person in several years, actually, since COVID. Um, and it was a really great experience. Uh, a lot of different presentations. Um, which were kind of scattered throughout the day and covered a wide variety of topics. I think we got one on Title IX, we got one on branding, uh, we got one on security. There was a lot of different things that kind of set us up and got us ready to enter med school. Um, on the right, uh, for those on the podcast, is a photo of the iconic Nittany Lion uh, that was in front of the Children's Hospital entrance. Uh, we were given a tour of the hospital since when we interviewed for medical school. Um, we were not able to go to a second look day in person. So we'd never been inside the hospital up until this point. So I had to take a picture of him. He just, just looks so cute. Um, and I think that was one of the really nice things about first week was that it was a lot of school spirit. Like we learned like the We Are Penn State uh, chant. We got to meet a lot of people. It was very much a, we are a community and we're really pushing for that. Um, so another really cool part about the first couple of weeks, so our first week was orientation with a lot of like base presentations. And the second part of our first week uh, was uh, transition to medical school. And so for us, that's an actual full week long course where we're given an exam at the end. Um, and in the far left picture, for those on the podcast, uh, it's a PowerPoint slide that says, name that burger. And it's differentiating between a Bob's Big Boy burger and a Big Mac. And I uh, caught up a lot of people because uh, we were asked to identify the Bob's Big Boy first. And uh, a lot of people said, no, that's a Big Mac. And then we had to kind of dissect, okay, why is it not, you know, what's different in the picture? And how can we as physicians kind of not just look at pictures of burgers, but also kind of say, hey, how can I notice details? Um, so that was really cool. We also had our white coat ceremony at the end of uh, our second week, which was great. We Friends, family all came up to see us uh, receive the white coat and uh, recite the Hippocratic Oath. And there's some photos from that uh, later on in the video. Um, these photos, three of them are actually not from the first week, but they're from the first week. So I'm going to put them in because I think this is the kind of fun stuff a lot of people's medical schools incorporate. So I got to sign up for an emergency medicine skills workshop. Um, and as you can see, uh, we get to do a lot of awesome things. Um, so first and foremost, 
uh, we did an intraosseous uh, injection. So we learned how to do that um, with a little bone gun there. And then uh, we also learned how to innovate people, which is the third photo. And then on the far right, uh, we also learned how to put IVs in. So that was really, really exciting um, and just something that I really enjoyed learning how to do. Um, awesome. So Noah, it's your turn. Let me know when you want me to change the slide. Yeah, sure. Will do. So for those on the podcast, um, I have some pictures of, of myself on the far left and um, with each of my parents and the next two pictures. Um, I was great. I was very fortunate to have both of my parents here with me um, for my first week. And one of the points I really wanted to echo home is that if you oh. are fortunate enough, <laughs> no, yeah, you're fine. If you are if you are fortunate enough to have family or friends um, come visit you or spend some time with you during your first week, definitely take that time. Uh, Alani spoke about the whirlwind of first week and orientation. It's a lot. Having people who are there in your corner um, is really important. Um, I don't have like we don't have a mascot like Eleni does, so a little bit jealous there. Um, you'll hear you'll hear me be salty about the, her white coat. We don't have white coats at Mayo either. So, but yeah, the first week is really just about a lot of policies, a lot of orientation, and it's a bunch of people in emails that you're probably not going to remember. Um, so just take comfort in the fact that you don't have content to worry about yet. Enjoy getting to know your classmates. Um, these are the people who you're going to spend the next four years of your life with. Um, it's truly been a blessing. It's been awesome time, but it, it's, it's definitely a lot. <laughs> so we can move on to the next slide. Yeah. So uh, for the people who are on the, just the podcast and can't see the pictures on the Far left is a picture of me sitting next to the Mayo Brothers right in front of the clinic. Um, there, there's a lot of interesting history with the Mayo Brothers. They came together with, um, with a nun, actually, and they established a clinic in Minnesota after a tornado. Um, so I have a picture of them, which is like really cool, or statues of them, more likely. And then on the far right, you have a picture of me fully dressed up in suit. We call it Mayo wear here, where you have the full suit, you have the tie, um, obviously, um, we're recording this. We're still a little bit far into the pandemic, so we're still masking in hospital settings. So I have my mask on. Um, seeing everybody dressed up is actually really cool. I didn't think I would like the suits, but it, I, I love my suit. I think it's super nice to be able to go in. You, you look your best. You feel your best. You can go in and talk to patients. And I think it, it really just adds an air of professionalism um, to the whole environment, which is sort of what Mayo is known for. Yeah, and I think, uh, uh, sorry to interject, but I think a good tip for a lot of incoming students is do actually bring uh, business wear because we also had to dress up and we have to dress up even under our white coats, um, but we had to dress up for ID pictures and that kind of thing. So if you don't have a suit or a nice dress or something like that, run out and get one because even if you're not going to Mayo, you will sorely regret not having two or three outfits. <laughs> Please continue, no. Yeah, yeah. Like picking back off that, even if you don't get a mayo, I think it is useful to have two or three suits um, from interview season. Hopefully you guys have at least one. Um, all of our interviews were virtual, so you might not <laughs> you might not have had the full get up. But um, I, I just made the investment then and it's paid off well. I think having a couple of sharp looking suits goes a long way, whether you're at mayo or not. Yes. 
Uh, and we'll talk more about interviews in another episode when it gets closer to interview season. Yeah, interviews are a lot. But now let's move on to the social aspect of medical school. And I think, um, surprisingly, more than the actual content of medical school, I think the social aspect is what people really worry about when they come in. I know it was for both um, Eleni and I. When, you know, we're, we're both kind of slow to make friends. I'm a very reserved person. Actually, I'm not very outgoing. Eleni is the more extroverted of the two of us. But... We knew each other in high school, so he knows me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, fun background. We met, we met in high school. We have a great history, but that's a story for another day. Um, and, but I, I really wanted to talk about what it's like in those first couple of weeks making friends. It, it is super awkward, whether you have a small class or a large class. Um, it takes time to build a solid support structure for yourself, especially if this is your first time away from home. Eleni got to move away from home for undergrad a little bit. Um, I didn't, I stayed really close to home. So this is my first time being away. I'd say my biggest piece of advice is to allow yourself to try new things and do things you wouldn't normally do to build some connections. Um, so for example, um, I went hiking um, on the far left picture for those on uh, podcast. I have a picture of me and some friends from left to right. You see Abdullah, then you see me, then you see Barbara, then you see Sam. And it was just a really nice way for me to get to know um, some people in my class on a deeper level and do something fun that I'd never done before. Um, and also, it'll make more appealing. It'll make people more willing to hang out with you for activities that you like to do if you're willing to, you know, do something outside of your comfort zone. And then, as you progress through your studies, you'll build friendships through small groups, most likely. And then, pictured here on the far right for people who are just on the podcast, um, this is a picture of me and my small group right after our first physical exam skills session. Um, we're all dressed up. You see us in the suits. We have our stethoscopes. It was a really it's a really nice picture and it was a really cool first day. Um, and I think it, it's a really great way to make friends in your small study groups or your clinical skill sessions. Um, you're learning, you all get to look like idiots together as for first year medical students. So <laughs> don't worry about it. Community makes everything better. And then also if you have a hobby, I would say keep up with it. You know, it's a great way to find community in a familiar space. For me, that's jujitsu. You guys might have seen it on our logo. You saw me in the gi. I've since gotten a purple belt, by the way, so I'm better than I was when we originally made our logo. Um, and I've started making friends at my new gym, and it's just been really awesome to have people in two different contexts kind of get to get away from medicine a little bit and have people who share. Um, that hobby is also really nice. Yeah, I think you make some really great points. Oh, I'm sorry. The, there's a there's a part of the photo on the right that has like a little cross over it that says like no biking and I keep thinking it's a target sign and I'm like why are you guys taking a photo in full suits outside of a target uh, <laughs> <laughs> um anyway continuing on uh so a little bit about my socialization so two of these photos are from my white coat ceremony because I realized me and my friends have just not been taking regular photos and one was actually taken today um so uh, me and a few of my friends, we went on a hike this morning. Uh, it was a game trail. So in Pennsylvania, the area of Pennsylvania that Hershey's in, um, there's a lot of like woodsy areas and a lot of farms. It's kind of weird because you come out of the hospital, right? You have all this 
high tech, you know, cancer center, you know, this big building, there's a big piece of modern art out front. And then you look to your left and there's a cornfield, like right <laughs> next to the hospital. So it, it's a really interesting dichotomy. And I think I very much appreciate it. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of nature out here. I think a lot of grad students absolutely love hiking just because it's free. Uh, and it's outdoors. Um, so if you wanted to try hiking or if you like hiking already, medical school is the perfect place to start. Um, so there's a couple of photos of my friends. I'm realizing they look relatively similar, but uh, that was before and after a white coat ceremony, actually. Um, and I don't know, it's been, like Noah said, we're both kind of people that make friends slower. And I think that was one thing I was very worried about. Uh, so I was an only child uh, growing up. And when I moved awesome. away to college, yeah, yeah, Noah's the only <laughs> child too. Uh, and so when I moved to college, I my biggest struggle in those first few months was making friends. I don't think I found my friend group in college until, I want to say November, November of fall semester. And then the friend group that I ended up graduating with, I don't think we, I don't think I really found them until January of my second year. I, I don't know about you, Noah, because I know you had a few people you ran with in undergrad. Yeah, I mean, um, we both have similar friendship making styles, if that's even a yeah. way to put it. Um, yeah. I'm even slower than that. Uh, a lot of my people, I didn't really get until like, yeah, like sophomore, junior year. You know, it, it takes me some time. I'm very much a small circle of friends type of person. Um, so, yeah. you know. Just yeah, like yeah, and, and I think that... Um, if I'm being brutally honest, I think those first couple weeks of med school really, uh, really do wear on you. Um, I'm an extrovert, but I'm not like a super extrovert. Um, I don't really enjoy like bar crawls or like that kind of thing. And so I, a lot of people were going out and doing that. And a lot of people were kind of like finding groups very quickly. Yeah. And I also had uh, some M2s kind of scare me and say, oh, sorry, my computer in the back died. Uh, I had uh, some M2s kind of scare me and say, oh, well, you know, everybody's groups are kind of set in like week one and two. And, um, you know, I don't think that's really the case. And I would recommend if you feel that way, like recognize that people move at different paces. Um, you know, when I was an RA, I would tell my residents, uh, RA's resident advisor um, for the uninitiated, um, I would tell my residents that, um, Everybody feels lonely for the first two months, I think, at minimum. And if they tell you they're not lonely, they're lying. Um, they're either lying to you or they're lying to themselves. Um, and, you know, you see people moving around in big groups and going out and doing things and you feel left out. And I think it's important to recognize that, hey, first of all, you're not alone. A lot of people feel that same way. And second, things change. Everything's very plastic, um, like there's high plasticity to different things. And I think that uh, there's a lot of room for changing. I've seen those shifts start. Uh, I don't know about you, Noah, but I've definitely seen like a lot of established friend groups kind of like changing. And I think that if you're slower like us, it's a-okay. If you're not slow, if you're quick, good for you. Go for it. Like this is a great time to meet new friends. Everybody's looking for them. But if you're just like unsure of yourself, like don't feel bad because I think everybody's been through it. And I know I've been talking for a little bit, so I'll try and kind of mitigate what I'm saying. But um. I think Noah really makes a good point in like finding people that like you share interests with. So like I joined a board game club here at Penn State and like, it's been really fun. I've been really, really enjoying that. Um, 
So yeah, and I've met some great friends. A lot of MSUs are actually to give great advice. I get all my tests taking and studying advice from them. So do do go to clubs and make friends with older students. That's my recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> all um, right. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about resource overlay a little bit. But before that, I wanted to touch on a couple of points that Eleni made about um, the social scene a little bit. I'll definitely echo and say that second and third year students, especially your TAs, are God's gift to earth. And please like get to know them. And like they will, they're the people who will do your TA review sessions, who will tell you what's going to be on the test. Like they're just absolutely amazing people. And I've really um, enjoyed getting to know them as well. And then the other thing, and yeah, she, how Eleni was talking about group shifting, groups do shift over time. And, you know, I think even if you're an introvert, I think you really do need to put yourself out there if you yeah. want to have um, any semblance of a social life in medical yeah. school um, yeah. a little bit. But I will say, I do think making friends in medical school has been slightly easier than undergrad just because they force you to be together so much and they put you in different groups and you pretty much get to know everybody in your class, at least on a surface level, at least a little bit. So it's like high school. Yeah. It's like, it's like high school. It's more like high school than undergrad, especially like Eleni has a little bit of a bigger class. So we don't really have clicks, but I know some bigger med schools, you definitely get like clicks of people super fast. So I mean, it's just the way it's just, you know, it's the way things are. We actually don't have TAs at Penn State. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't have we don't have TAs. Um, we we have a totally different like style, but I think we have big and little uh, for us. And I think that was really helpful because you could get like my big sent me like a bunch of like her old like notes. And that was really helpful. And she told me who to shout out to, uh, which was also very important. Um, and that's something I think we'll talk about a little bit more later. Um, but I do want to mention kind of as we go into resource overload, you're going to get a lot of things thrown in at you. Shadowing, research, volunteering, doing this, doing that. Um, and I I remember literally this is second week and someone was saying, oh, yeah, people are already in labs. In yeah. second week, second week. And I think it's important to find your footing and find what works for you. And some people can move at a quicker pace and that's okay. But I think it's important to find your footing. And part of finding that footing is resources. Um, everybody's going to tell you a different story. Everybody's going to say, oh, do this, do that, do this, do that, whatever. There tends to be a general trend. Um, at least talking to older students, they'll say, okay, you should study this and ignore this. And even if they say, I use Bornsley Beyond, the other person says, I use osmosis. And the third person says, I don't do anything. I just stare at the ceiling all day there's generally kind of a trend of, okay, we're ignoring this and we're doing this. Yeah, I, I think piggybacking off of this, you, you're you gonna get crap loads of resources just thrown in your face. Everybody's just gonna be like, here, like this is what we all do, figure it out. And I hate to say this, but the best advice I can give you is to figure it out. Don't copy other people just to copy somebody, you know, find what works for you. If you get a free, and the other thing is hold off on buying things before you figure out if your school um, either pays for it 
um, or something like that. Um, sometimes they have like subscription packages at discounted prices or whatever like that. So look into those options before you go and buy a particular resource that a second or third year tells you is absolutely indispensable. Um, and I would trial it out, see if it works for your learning style and how it meshes with you. And, you know, like say Pixarize, for example, I think Pixarize is great for certain things, like say like chromosomal abnormalities. I still remember crude shot syndrome as cry at a cat because there is a cat in a hive and it's on chromosome five. Like that's just, it was useful in that instance, but say like a biochemical pathway to me, I don't need a drug dragon to remind me of some enzyme i'm just like just memorize the enzyme like it's a, it's too many steps for me to go there but some people like that and you know and that's okay and just because i wasn't i wasn't successful with pixarize doesn't mean you won't and just because i was successful with boards and beyond doesn't mean that you will um some other tips i would say is that you know there's your classmates are all going to have a different studying style and don't bother to compare yourself to what other people are doing. You can only focus on you. And at the end of the day, it's you who's taking that exam, not your classmate. So do what works for you and don't worry about anybody else. You can always get advice and see what people are doing, but you know, don't have some existential crisis because you didn't do 500 on cards today. Yeah. And also kind of, <laughs> I, you know what's interesting about this is I had actually never heard of Pixarize before <laughs> this conversation. And, and, and I, I think that just gives perspective to like the breadth of how many different things that you can do. Uh, so my school, we pay, it actually pays for osmosis. A lot of people like osmosis. I don't really like it. Um, I prefer boards and beyond. And I've like realized that because I've tried them. And I've had a lot of students swear by osmosis. Uh, I have had a lot more though swear by boards and beyond. I feel like boards and beyond is kind of something that everybody, most everybody says is pretty good. Um, I like it. It's lecture style. Um, I think that it kind of gives a punch to a lot of the lectures because I don't know how it is for you guys at Mayo, but um, our lectures are given by a lot of like, especially for scientific principles of medicine, which is like biochem, like genetics and that kind of thing. Uh, it's given by PhDs and not MDs because it's like their research. And so they go really in detail, like the TNF cascade and, you know, EIF4, like MRA binding protein. So it goes really in depth. Um, and I think that Borns and Beyond is really punchy. It just says, this is a concept, I'm explaining it. And I think he explains it very, very well. Um, and it only has the high yield information. And really that high yield information is what you're going to need for the boards and also for your exams. So Penn State is unique in that we have essay exams. I know that is not like that in the majority of places, but the way we're tested is understanding concepts and then being able to kind of place them in a clinical setting. And that's something that you're gonna be asked to do um, in residency and boards and kind of into your career. So just kind of think about that. How am I clinically correlating things? Um, I do highly recommend Anki. I think that's something that everybody kind of universally recommends. That being said, I have met a few people that don't use it. So if flashcards is not your thing, don't have to feel like you need to do Anki because it's time consuming. I have 300 cards right now. I've been ignoring all day. Um, so just kind of pick and choose. I recommend you experiment with it though. Also, um, a lot of older students will be able to provide you 
with like hints. Uh, so Amboss, um, like how to, you know, use the free Amboss articles, um, you know, how to get access to certain things. They'll pass down information to you. Um, I know that like we have a student lounge that has free copies of all the old first aids, like the older students leave there and you can just take one. So really listen to them. Um, but yeah, I think the big thing is just like finding what works for you. And it took a little bit of experimentation for me and I'm still figuring it out. I'm still, you know, trying to work on, on what my study schedule should look like. But I did want to say one last thing before we moved on from this, which was Reddit. Uh, <laughs> I spend... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can both talk about Reddit. <laughs> yeah, I spend a little too much time on Reddit. Um, and Reddit has its very strong opinions on some things, and they have very little tolerance for others. And I think that we, as medical students and as pre-meds for sure, we went to SDN and Reddit, right? Because we wanted that information. Yeah. And I think that you have to understand that it has a certain bias and that sometimes people are a little extreme on there. It's like... If you're feeling lonely, don't go look up feeling lonely in medical school on Reddit because <laughs> you're going to feel yeah. worse. <laughs> if you're feeling like you're failing, don't look up I'm failing medical school Reddit because you're going to feel worse. Um, I think that when things are going bad, people are going to complain. And when things are going good, people aren't going to say it. So uh, take keep that in mind. Like use it for recommending like study resources and like how to do things. It was helpful for me to get the OnKing deck and how to use like OnKey extensions. But don't turn to it for personal advice because nobody can tell you what you need to do. You have to figure it out yourself. Yeah. And, you know, just just some general advice. And I and I I'm sorry, I have to say the trope, but really medicine is lifelong self-directed learning. That's what it is. And if you can't put together what resources people give you and streamline it into something that you do that works for you, you're going to have a very tough time. You know, that's what you do in clinical medicine. You have all this information and now you have to narrow it down to a diagnosis. You have to find what's relevant. And that's the same thing here. So I think what we're really echoing, what we're trying to tell you here is don't let it get too crazy. Find two or things that work for you and like set it at that. In fact, I would set a maximum. Don't use more than three third-party resources. Like that's it. You don't need to do four or five. It, it, it's too much. And also <laughs> you don't need to do every third-party resource under the sun. One, you don't have the time. Two, you're not going to remember everything. I don't care what somebody tells you. I'm not memorizing all 31 types of collagen in the human body. Okay. I have a professor here who does. He, he, these are a different class of people. As a medical student, you do not need to know. I think they told us to remember three types, type one, two, and three. I think that's it for us. Yeah. Uh, I think, and I think four, actually. Four. Yeah, and four, four, because it's a floor type. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, base, basement membrane, yeah. Basement membrane. Yeah, yeah so just um, like bear in mind what you're seeing on the internet often tends to be biased and not reflective of the real world. Um, Definitely, yeah not reflective of the real world. And, you know, like Eleni was saying, there's a huge negative bias. People who go on the internet and post on Reddit are going to be predisposed to post about negative things. You're not going to go on Reddit and post like, you know, the most amazing achievements of your life. You're going to tell someone in real life. (laughs) You're going to tell somebody in real life, you know, like you get an amazing score on, on uh, a medical school exam. You're calling your parents, you're calling your, your significant other. 
like you're not on reddit or, or tweeting about it usually um oh <laughs> yeah saying... med twitter med twitter is another thing um <laughs> like they were very explicit with us like they are watching um like med twitter like whatever you put out there you represent the school and you also represent yourself right because apparently twitter is one of the biggest way that medical professionals interface now i didn't realize that that was like the biggest like medicine related platforms so just like bear in mind that like people are going to go on twitter and complain i see actually mostly on people on twitter bragging also don't feel bad about yourself yeah. if you see opposite. people i i don't know i i've seen people like take photos of like they're studying like i'm doing so yeah. great and it's like oh i'm sitting here in my pjs eating ice cream watching netflix right yeah. And it's just, it's like, am I, should I be studying? Just run your own race. Yeah. You know, I, I think the quote here, like comparison is the thief of all joy. That, yeah. that, that rings true here. You're going to have enough struggles with your mental health, getting through medical school, adding on to the fact that you see some, one of your peers on med Twitter saying that like, you know, they saved some patient's life, barely breaking a sweat isn't going to help you. So, yeah. Focus and also, you. don't believe everything that you see on the internet, too. <laughs> I think that I think I think we're probably talking to people that are of our generation. So I'm sure that they know this. But I needed to be reminded when I was applying to medical school. I needed to be reminded sometimes because it's so easy to go on there and write something like, "I have 25 interviews," right? And everybody that reads it is like, "I feel terrible," but in reality, you don't have any, right? So, <laughs> uh, just kind of bear that in mind um so i think we're going to start wrapping up um we wanted to kind of close out with discussing and when we sat down to kind of like talk about how we wanted to format this uh one thing that kind of came up again and again was how we both felt and like yeah. i think the biggest word i felt was overwhelmed yeah um same here you know it's just from student affairs to academic affairs to meeting, in my case, and 50 new people, in Eleni's case, 200 plus people. Um, our class is actually 100, 150. 150, okay. So, you know, yeah. like three times the size of Mayo. Um, in my case, you know, being part of a huge conglomerate health <laughs> mega system, you know, it's just um, a different, it's a different field. There's a lot going on you in addition to the social anxiety and the academic anxiety you know you have more existential concerns will I be a good doctor will I memorize this will I can I really do this for my patients uh, you know and part of that's healthy and normal you know if you didn't care about how your actions are going to impact your future patients you wouldn't be here you know so but I have a, a couple of tips and I'm sure Lenny will have some some comments at this um, for those who are just on the podcast on the far left next to the lovely pictures of her parents and Claire, who we both know, by the way, Claire also in high school with us. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have keep calm and just pass the test. And I know Good this- Lord, what are you from? 2011? I'm sorry. Oh my yeah. gosh. I, I, oh. Yeah, sorry. I'm such an old man. She makes fun of me for this all the time. Um, but, you know, it, it's true. And I know this isn't universal and it's it's not going to be um, true at some other institutions, especially RDO, brothers and sisters. Um, but 
if you're at a pass fail school, if you're like, and even most DO schools are pass fail. If you have the luxury of being able um, to go to a pass fail school, that's really all you need to do. Pass, pass the test. Okay. You're not going to know every fact about the human body. It's, it's impossible. Okay. It doesn't undergrad. And I don't know if uh, Lenny and I are both high achievers, right? You can't get into medical school without being a high achiever in some way, shape or form. So if you're like me and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not studying enough because you feel like you have to get a 90, that mindset is like out, it's out. You just do the best that you can, obviously aim to do the best that you can, but really all you need is a 70, get used to that mindset. And also for more, Eleni was talking a little bit about this. I know some people are, are already in labs. You know, that's fine. Some people are interested in competitive specialty. Some people are just genuinely excited to get in there and like do something that they're passionate about. But, you know, in my mind, you know, everything else comes later. You know, get, get settled, get into your academic groove, pass your first couple of classes, and then everything else will come. Um, I'm a big proponent personally of taking the first few months of medical school to get adjusted. Um, even if you're interested in a competitive specialty, whether you start doing glioblastoma research, if you're a future neurosurgeon and you're six months of medical school versus your third month of medical school, it, you know, in my mind, isn't going to make that much of a difference. Um, and it's just better for your sanity. Um, I've talked about a little about this before, but don't compare yourself to your classmates. Some of them will get 90% above and they'll be just like an undergrad. Some will get 80s, some will get 70s. If you're passing, you're thriving, my friends, okay? The more time that you spend worrying about others, the less time you have to worry about yourself. Um, I know one topic that some people um, kind of get concerned about is how much time should I spend studying in the first couple of years of med school during the preclinical phase. You know, Lenny and I are both still figuring this out and she might have a different number. Um, I'm probably averaging about three to five hours a day outside of class. Some of you might be shocked that that might sound a little low. Some of you might be like, that's a little high. Um, It's going to vary. If you're putting in more or less, it's fine. Some people need the extra time to feel like that they're getting everything down. Um, Some people literally have a photographic memory and you show them a picture of a textbook and they can regurgitate everything. It's just different. Um, it's not worth it to lose sleep over something because it seems like this person has time for all their hobbies and you're sitting in a dark room looking at, <laughs> looking at Anki cards. Um, speaking of sleep, get your sleep. And I know everybody has a different um, level of sleep that they need to function every day, but I cannot function on less than seven. It's just not a thing. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. Um, if you're giving up because if you're giving up sleep time because you feel like you need an extra point or two on your test, this is the one time that I will tell you you're, you're doing something wrong and you need to change something. Like, you know, sleep is critical to your mental and physical health. Don't jeopardize your health just to pass. We have all of third year during surgery and OB-GYN rotations to worry about our lack of sleep. Um, it's, it's our first year, not our third year. Don't pretend otherwise. And then my last point, I know I've been talking for a while. I'm going to let Eleni get, let her share her wisdom, but um, also exercise, you know, whether it's a walk, going to the gym, um, do something, move, 
it keeps you healthy. It allows you to forget about studying for a little bit. Plus, you know, how can you tell your, your patients to exercise if you don't <laughs> take 15 minutes to exercise yourself? Um, so again, it doesn't have to be much. Um, I would just try and do something. Um, if that's walking the class, you know, it is what it is, you know, you're busy. Um, but that being said, you know, rest days are important too. You know your body. I don't know your body. So, you know, do what you're comfortable with. Um, rest days are important too, but I think in general, you know, it's very important to get some form of movement in. Yeah, I think those are all great points. And, and kind of circling back to what uh, Noah said originally is just pass the test. And I, this is something that I'm really struggling with and, and something that I talked with um, the older students about is like how to let go. Um, and I don't know about you, Noah, but the way I studied in undergrad was crazy. I would take every lecture and I would make handwritten study guides. So I would reword basically every point that I wrote in my notes in my own words and handwrite it. And I was studying for an exam and I here in medical school and I realized it had taken five hours to do four lectures. And we had had, I think I counted 33 lectures total in about two and a half weeks, which is the amount of volume of content. And I sat there and I said, this is not sustainable. And so I, I had to kind of sit back and reevaluate. And I talked to a lot of the older students. And my realization is that it's a lot about gaming the system. It's about maximizing what you can know that's relevant to the test and minimizing the amount of time that you have to put it in your head because there's just so much content and, you know, I'm still figuring it out, but I think, you know, Noah's right. And I, and I said this in undergrad as well, which is if you're pulling things like all nighters, if you're sleeping under like four hours a night, you're doing something wrong, right? Time to step back and reevaluate and say, okay, why am I doing this much? Like what's going on? Am I like playing World of Warcraft in the middle of it and like getting really distracted and then saying, oh my God, God, I need to do all my work and then studying till 5 a.m. Or is it just you have too much to do? Like what's going on? Because burnout is real um, and it's not sustainable because it's going to be like this. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. There's more and more and more and more content. They add anatomy lab, they add all sorts of stuff. Um, we actually don't have the same type of grade system as Mayo does, I don't think. So we have pass fail, but um, we don't actually get to see our scores. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's either just pass or don't pass. Um, they'll tell you if you borderline it, but like it's not on your transcript. So for us, unless you explicitly request and go through a whole process, you don't even get to see your score because they really don't want you to freak out about it. Um, and so for me, I spent a lot of time feeling very overwhelmed, like stressed, like what am I gonna do? How am I gonna manage all this content? And uh, I, I put this organic chemistry meme. I know it, <laughs> it's helped me. I'm dying, right? Because it's a dying. Yeah, it's a dying. Know, yeah. With the cyst double bond. Anyway, I thought that was funny. Uh, <laughs> and um, Nerd. Yeah. Oh, wow. Cyberbullying. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I really lean on my support systems, which is why I put photos in, on there. Um, my best friend, Claire, who Noah and I went to high school with, and uh, no one knows all about her um <laughs> like she came up to see me get my white coat uh like my mom and dad um I like lean on these people uh like they're my support system and like they're people I can talk to when I say hey like I feel overwhelmed and I think that's been very helpful especially my parents because they can give me advice and it doesn't have to be like your parents or like your family it can really be somebody like a friend you know um a counselor somebody like that but find a support system Find that person that will be in your corner and make sure that they're advocating for you 
because I think that's going to be really important to keeping you sane as things get harder. So have somebody to talk to um, when you're going through this. That's, is that it? Okay, I think that's the last slide. So yeah. um, is there anything we want to wrap up with? Yeah, no, I think we actually did a really good job, I think, of covering most of the bases that you will um, and some of the struggles that you encounter during your first couple of months of medical school. And don't worry for those um, who are just hearing this first episode, we're going to be talking about, you know, our first couple of exams, our first couple of blocks. I'm sure we'll be talking about, you know, clinical skills and all, all that's to come in the future. Um, but I think we did a really good job of setting you up for, you know, your, your first couple of months of success in medical school. Yes, just, just roll with it. I think that a lot of us are very type A people. Um, maybe yeah. not Noah, not Noah. He's a little bit chiller, but um, I know I'm very like stressed about a lot of things and I get like very worried. Um, and I think one thing that I'm learning is to kind of just roll with it. I think that things will happen in their own time and like you have to accept that and trust the process because otherwise it's just, you'll drive yourself crazy. It's just so much going on. So uh, in that case, we believe in you, uh, we're here for you, and we're very excited to continue talking to you through our podcast or our YouTube channel. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions. We'll try and see if we can respond, if we can remember around our studying. Um, and until then, we'll see you guys next episode. Yeah, see you guys.